Shut up and sit down. Listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this podcast. Well, the NFL draft is finally here. We'll take a look at what player might be going where and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 25 of The Bridge. (laughs) Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome to another installment of The Bridge. Well, for all you NFL junkies that have been chomping at the bit since the Super Bowl to have something to talk about besides Deflategate, I've got just the thing for you. The NFL Draft 2016 edition is Thursday night. Now, it's impossible to turn on any network dealing with sports and not have heard someone trying to analyze the players that are projected to get picked in this draft. We've learned about statistics of players, where they grew up, what their mommy's name was, what their daddy's name was, how good they can throw the football, if they can catch it, how big size shoes they wear, how do their hands compare to other players' hands, can they play in the cold, can they run an NFL offense, can they run an NFL defense, are they nice guys? We've apparently got more answers than questions. There's people out there that seem to know everything there is to know about some of these NFL prospects, perhaps even more than they know about their significant other. But I'm not here to judge that. I'm just here to let you guys know some things that might be important while you're watching the NFL draft. Some things you can look for. And if you haven't guessed from listening to my show this past year or so, I'm probably not the guy to do that analysis. I'm not. That's why I brought on a guest that does this sort of thing for a living, and he's going to educate us on what we should be looking for during the draft. Because after the first couple picks, I'm out. I've got things. I'm going to change the channel and watch something else. Perhaps some Netflix on the laptop, HBO Go. I've got things. I won't have a ton of interest, I'll be honest with you, because... I'd rather see what you're doing on Sunday than what type of tuxedo or suit you're wearing when you shake Roger Goodell's hand. That's why I did us all a service and got in touch with someone that knows what he's talking about. Before we get into that, however, I'm incredibly joyed and excited for something that I recently did, or should I say recently purchased for one US dollar. Perhaps one of the best purchases I've ever made in my life. If you're an avid listener of the show, you know I've cut down on my commentary because I've been able to bring on some pretty interesting guests who know a lot more about sports than I do and can talk at length about whatever I'm talking about for that particular week. And people might not like me, who knows? So you're not subjected to me rambling like I kind of am doing now, but there's a point to this. I acquired a soundboard. Now, for you people that listen to radio, you know that some shows can really use a soundboard to their advantage and add something extra to commentary or hot takes. This little soundboard here has just about everything you could imagine, and I don't know how I'm going to use the sounds, 
I will tell you that there's a complete library of farts, and I'm not going to taint my podcast by putting farts on air, though that might be something that happens in the future if warranted. I will just give you a little bit of a run-through on some of the sounds that I could utilize in my podcast. I mean, if something is shitty... We've got a toilet! Look at that! If we need to wake people up, there's a rooster! I can bring guests on by sounding a gong. If I say something stupid, people can let me know. If people like what I say... That's actually never going to be played again. I apologize for that. But if somebody, like, knocks on my door, I can alert people of that. If things get a little testy, maybe I say something that might not go over well. The cops might be called. I mean, hot takes. just endless if i make a joke if something doesn't go over well if something exciting's coming if one day people enjoy my show enough to where they want to advertise with me if somebody lets the farm door open I mean, we'll have cows, chickens, there's all sorts of things that could run through this room. When we're talking about the Jaguars, which we'll never do, but I might do it more because... Yes. Yes. And when I say things hilariously, I mean, I'll have the crowd behind me. Or when I say something stupid. There is just so many things now that I can throw into my commentary that might just make it a little bit better for my loyal, loyal listeners. I know. I know. That's exactly what I'm saying. So instead of continuing to do that, let's just get to the guest. Jeff Risden is a senior NFL writer and draft analyst at RealGM.com. He's been doing that since the early 2000s. He's a senior NFL draft analyst for DraftBreakdown.com. He's also an editor for Detroit Lions Sideline Report website. He also has contributed to Bleach Report. The man knows his football, and he is completely immersed in what's been going on as far as the draft is concerned. And he came aboard to educate us a little bit more So when we're watching on Thursday night, Friday, or Saturday, we might know something that we might not have known going in. So it was a pleasure to speak to him, and we'll get to that right now. All right, we're here with Jeff Risden. He is a senior NFL writer and draft analyst at RealGM.com since 2004. He's a senior NFL draft analyst for DraftBreakdown.com. And in his spare time, an editor for Detroit Lions site, Sideline Report, has written for Bleacher Report in the past. The man knows a thing or two about the NFL draft, and he's been nice enough to take some time and chat with us. How are you doing tonight, sir? 
I am very excited for the the draft this weekend. It's uh, it, it's here. I'm so ready. It's finally here. We we've heard enough about it, of course, from all the media outlets that we're subjected to. So it is nice to finally be here. You're right about that. That said, just how immersed would you say you are in all of this, in in getting all this information and preparing yourself for the NFL draft? What goes into being able to do what you do? Oh man, that's it's a ton of watching football um, from really the beginning of last summer uh, to get a, a, a baseline on some of the guys through all the year. Um, I, I have a uh, an external hard drive hooked up to my DVR that had somewhere between 600 and 700 games over the last two years on it, and I've watched just about all of them, uh, watching cut-ups on draft breakdown, watching clips that people have sent to me. So it, going into the analysis part of the job, easy for me to say, uh, is the fun part for me. The, the part now where, that everybody's doing and scrambling at the last minute here is trying to figure out who's going where. Um, that That's that's very tough because uh, there's a lot of teams that, that will give you false information or misinformation or no information at all uh, and, and trying to cobble together, you know, who's actually what's actually going to happen over the weekend. Uh, it's a lot of fun to try to predict it, but at the same time, it, it's it's not as easy as, as rating the players for me because uh, – like uh, as an example, the Lions. We have a new general manager, uh, Bob Quinn. He came from the the Patriot organization, and I used to be able to get decent information. I had a pretty good idea of like two or three players that they were really really interested in. And this year, I don't have that information. The beat writers don't have that information. The assistant coaches that I've talked to don't even know who they're going to take. They they really do not. So uh, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, getting the reveal for what our new team looks like. Well, it's nice to not have to be on television, for example, with your three to four cell phones and be the person breaking that information. Does it piss you off a little bit when you might be on social media that sometimes in the past the draft results, the picks, have been released before Roger Goodell even gets a chance to get up to the podium? Yeah, that's annoying to me. I, I want to be surprised. I like to see the moment. you know. Right. And, and, and I, hate it, I hate it when they do the spoilers. So uh, I know Jason Lockenfora is big on doing that because there are some people who do want to know. And if you want to know, you know who to follow. If not, then uh, then I would suggest either blocking those people or, you know, avoiding them for the night and, and just enjoying the moment of it because it really is a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was at the draft for the last year while I was actually out with some, some draft folks uh, and we were watching it. And we knew ahead of time uh, a few of the picks that were going to happen uh, you know, a couple minutes early, and we all just sat around and we're like, "Yeah, we're not going to tell anybody. We just we know that we know, and that that's good enough." And and hopefully, there's more people that see it that way because uh, I really don't like it when I'm tipped off. Well, the Los Angeles Rams, even though pretty much everyone in the room has an idea of where they're going, have been adamant about not saying anything about it because they want to have their supposed quarterback experience that on draft night. But getting into some of the <laughs> analytical things, I'm, I'm sure you have probably a couple good stories with this. I wanted to get from you, through all the times you've been doing this, a player that you projected to be really good, who maybe flew under the radar a little bit, that actually turned out to be really good, and a player that you did that with that actually turned out to be a bust. That could be from last year or whenever you've been doing this, two guys, the boomer bust that you've had to deal with when you've been doing this analysis. Oh, man. I, 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 I've been fortunate in that, that I'm pretty good on the, the bust side, uh, that I don't necessarily miss a lot of players that, that are the obvious ones. 
in, in terms of finding a player that that's going to be really good, that I um, I get one from last year, Quandre Diggs from my Lions. Uh, he was my 100th ranked player in the draft. He wound up being drafted 200th, and by the end of the year, he was one of the better slot corners in the league right away. So I, I, I'm very proud of that one. Uh, there, there's a whole lot though from oh god over the years. Uh, a, a lot of running backs. Uh, I've hit on, you know, just later guys that, that seem to wind up doing better than, than what you would expect. Joyke Bell was a guy to stick with the Lions. Matt Forte was a guy uh, who I had incredibly high, uh, who wound up being a lot better than most people thought. Uh, even, even like some of the, the like upper tier guys, like I was a huge Nick Mangold fan. Uh, and there were a lot of people that were frustrated that he went as high as he did, but he's proven it. And, and Travis Frederick was a guy that I gave a first round grade to. Uh, and, and he's proven that, that he's right on it. So, you know, you, you get those at all levels. As far as busts, the example I always give is Chandler Jones because I actually, on radio, said that drafting Chandler Jones was akin to setting a bag of money on fire. Uh, <laughs> that obviously didn't work out too well for me because he's become a decent player. So, well, yeah, as long that, as it wasn't your money, you. you don't have to worry about that. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> And there's always a few every year where I'm, like, wildly off. And that's part of the doing business. The NFL, they have a lot of guys that are wildly off, too. You see, uh, look at Jonathan Cooper as a guy who, uh, for whatever reason, just hasn't worked out. He's, he just got traded for Chandler Jones, in fact, uh, to tie that together. There's a guy that a lot of people thought was, was very worthy of the top 10 pick, uh, including the Arizona Cardinals, and now look where they're at. So the, the, the NFL misses, too, and I think Sometimes when, when people are putting the, the, the critical eye on the analysts, they have to realize that the teams themselves miss just as much as we do. Right, and it's almost better for you probably on some Sundays if you're at a bar or somewhere that you surround yourself with guys that might appreciate it if you turn to them and go, I had that guy when he makes a nice play. Instead of having people go, dude, we don't care. Can we just watch the games? I got fantasy teams to think about, and you're telling me about this fourth-round draft pick that made a tackle. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of that. you got to pick your spots for right, that. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. Now, getting into the draft itself, since you're here to educate us, if people are watching tomorrow and throughout the weekend, are there things that they should be looking for on television when they're watching it, whether that be some of the stats they throw or the graphics that they have on TV? What's the best way to watch it? I'm sure you probably have computers and tablets open and you're getting information on your phone, so you're in tune. But for the common person, what should they really be looking out for on Thursday night? Uh, I would pay attention to what what the the best players available lists are right and, and uh, if you can watch both the NFL network and ESPN note the differences between them because a lot of times there's fairly stark differences uh, but also you know what which guys are talking on on the screen pay attention to guys who have been in front offices and been in draft rooms recently uh, guys like Daniel Jeremiah are fantastic for this and and uh, Lewis Riddick at ESPN They've, they've walked this walk recently. If you're listening to older coaches who haven't been involved with the team in the last 10 years, they're probably not going to know very much good information. They're just going to reiterate what it was like back in the day. Well, the NFL has changed a lot since their day. Right. So uh, I, I definitely pay attention to that. Uh, I, I like to see like the fan reaction because uh, that, that a lot of times that says a lot. Uh, it's going to be in Chicago this year, and, and I went last year, and there were fans from all over the place, but there were a ton of Colts fans and Packers fans and Vikings fans and, and Bears and Browns and Bengals. And so when, when those teams get it and, and make their picks, 
watch the reaction from the folks that are there because it's pretty telling. Those those are all fairly edu- well-educated fan bases that, that know their players and do a lot of homework on it. Uh, and if you're going to the draft, you, you probably should be that way. Right. So th- th- that's always fun. And and I like I like to do on social media. I like to follow the beat writers. Uh, I'm a big beat writer guy. Uh, to, to see what their reaction is right after the pick, if they knew it, if they didn't know it, what their initial reaction on it is. Because a lot of times those guys have been in the locker rooms. They know the coaching staff pretty well. They they have a feel for for what the players themselves are expecting. Uh, so it's always good to go with them too. Now, if we turn on any sports outlet in the past week or so, and this will obviously continue to heat up within the next 24 hours, we'll hear analysis on players from how well they played, what they do in the locker room, how big their hand size is, where they like to play when they're not in the regular season, if they might be playing in a park, their family life. You, of course, have several of different boards and different rankings that you've put together, and I'll attach those into the show notes so people can educate themselves, obviously. One of them was the NFL Draft Final Big Board that ranked 410 total prospects. I just wanted to get a gauge from you on what sort of things go into making a list like that and how you come upon those rankings. Yeah, sure. Um, like I talked about a little bit earlier, there's a lot of film watching. Uh, and then when I watch it, I'm the world's most annoying person to watch football with because I will rewatch the same play four or five times. Uh, if I see something that catches my eye, uh, I, I tend to watch a play and just to see what happens. And then I'll go back in and I'm like, well, I'm kind of watching the left guard in the team. What did he do? And what did the tight end do on this play? You know, where was the safety on it? Did he come into the screen? Uh, so I, I take a lot of notes on that. And I'm looking at, both production, but I'm also looking at traits. Uh, are they ethnic enough? And that's that's where the combine, all that stuff comes in. Uh, you factor that in. Um, you know, are are they are they good people? Do their teammates talk well about them? Some some programs are a lot easier to get that information from than others, but uh, that's out there. Uh, and, and just you know, the, how how do they do? How do they accomplish what they do on the field? Do they have good technique? Are they doing it just because they're a better athlete? Uh, and, and dominating, especially for the guys that are from the, the, the smaller schools and, and even like the FCS schools, you want to see them doing things, you know, the right way instead of just, you know, asserting their physical dominance. If they can do that, that's great. It's, that's even better because that shows a lot of things. But uh, you want to see them do proper technique, too, especially with offensive linemen. I'm huge on watching that uh, and defensive linemen in terms of getting off blocks and, and playing the gaps and things like that. So, so I'm a total nerd watching that kind of stuff, but uh, I love it. Thorough, and definitely a lot to look at when you're getting into each position. And this year, of course, the third year out of five were projected to have two quarterbacks go one and two. But your number one prospect was the offensive left tackle, Laramie Tunzel from Old Miss. Could you tell me a little bit more about him and why you think he might be the best available player in the draft if you were to go that route? Yeah, uh, he's he's a fantastic prospect. Uh, he, I talked about having proper technique. His technique is so advanced. Uh, you can tell that he's been very well coached and, and grew up playing offensive line. Uh, his balance is great. His feet are very quick for a big man. He's got good length. He understands where to put his hands and when to put his hands where they belong. Uh, he's very good at anticipating the rush, and and if he happens to get beat initially, he has enough wherewithal to react quickly and keep the keep it from his quarterback standing and alive. Uh, I grew up uh, in Northeast Ohio, and I, I had the pleasure of watching Orlando Pace play when he was in high school. 
And watching Laramie Tunsil reminds me so much of Orlando Pace. And, wow. and that guy worked out pretty darn well. He's going to the Hall of Fame this yeah. year. I'm not saying that Tunsil is going to be that good, but he could be. Uh, and it, it it baffles my mind that people are taking quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Goff and Wentz, they aren't even my top two quarterbacks. My top two quarterbacks are Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook. So so for me to see the, these two guys going at the one and two, it's, it's a strange year. <laughs> Where do you think he's going to fall? Because I know that there's a little off the field things going on with him where he apparently got into an altercation with his stepfather and he might press charges and now there's all that swirling around. So that might sway some teams away from him. But all that aside, do you see any particular team maybe going after him? Yeah, there, there's some off-field issues going on there for sure. Uh, and it goes beyond that. There, there was the incident with Robert Kendiche, his teammate, uh, in the hotel in Atlanta. Uh, and he has had some durability issues. He's had elbow problems. I think he missed a couple times with, with a, a foot injury or a leg. Um, I can't remember how players at this point. I know he's, I know he's missed some games with some injuries. So they, he, can, he can fall. It's hard to see Baltimore passing him at six. Uh, it's real hard to see like San Francisco at seven or, you know, getting down to, I, I think Chicago at 11 is the absolute floor for him, but it wouldn't surprise me if he slid a little bit. I don't think he's going to be in the top five. And uh, if you would have told me that even two weeks ago, that would have, uh, that would have really surprised me. Of course, we have to start with the quarterbacks and Los Angeles traded up to get this number one pick, trying to make a name for themselves a little bit in getting a franchise quarterback, at least one they hope will turn into that. And the projections have them going with University of California, Berkeley quarterback, Jared Goff. What are some of the things that make him worthy of that number one pick? And on the same token, what are some of his weaknesses where maybe they shouldn't move in that direction and might cause some red flags? Yeah, I, the thing that everybody harps on that that he does so well is he he he's very quick at setting up and and getting the ball out, uh, and that's that's important uh, because he played behind a a very awful offensive line at Cal. He had a lot of good weapons to throw to and and hand the ball off to, but it, he was running for his life a lot. And he's very good at at getting the ball out quickly, identifying his read and throwing it out. His arm strength is okay. Uh, I'm not crazy about it. I know there are some people who like it more than I do. Uh, I think it's it's on the low side of average, uh, and he, you see it when he has to throw deep. Now, when he throws the short ball and throws to his first predetermined read, he's fantastic with ball placement. He can put the ball exactly where it needs to be, uh, away from the defender, right where the receiver can catch it in stride and, and create after it, uh, and that's important. He, he's He's been a productive player in a team that hasn't necessarily had a lot of success, uh, mostly through no fault of his own. I think there's a lot of people that appreciate the mental toughness that, that comes from that, from sticking with what he did and growing. Uh, he's skinny also, and uh, I don't, I'm not sure that's going to change all that much. And I'm, I'm more concerned about those guys who are skinnier than, than most people just because uh, – uh, I was once a very skinny guy too, and uh, it, you know it, it's easier to get broken when you're skinny. Right. Uh, so I, I, yeah, so I, I worry about that. Uh, I don't think he's. I'll be honest. I'm not that crazy about him. I I I'm not sure he's any better than Sam Bradford, who they've uh, tried before with the last time they had the number one pick, and uh, that worked out sort of not too well. I right. I kind of think I'm a little worried, and especially to give up what they gave up to get him. Uh, they're not going to have a lot of talent around him, unfortunately, to help him. Uh, their offensive line isn't very good either. 
Uh, I make the joke all the time. They, they, they start an offensive line with five right tackles on it. Uh, <laughs> it didn't work last year. It's probably not going to work this year, and they don't have any way to get anybody else in there to help. So uh, they've really stacked the deck against him. Uh, so if he does succeed, it's, it's a real credit to him for transcending everything that's been shot up against him. Well, speaking of Sam Bradford and speaking of a team that may have traded away the farm to get a pick, we move to two with the Philadelphia Eagles and poor Eagles fans who now have to deal with what Sam Bradford is saying about wanting to get out of town, even though they paid him a ton of money. If there's a place I can go to get $11 million as a bonus to, at worst, hold a clipboard, I would love to know where that is because I'm signing up tomorrow. But they're projected to, of course, go with the next best available quarterback, which is supposedly going to be Carson Wentz of North Dakota State, who a lot of people never really heard much of because he's with a team that, though they've won five consecutive national championships, the FCS doesn't really get a lot of publicity. And he didn't really do a ton because he didn't start until he was a junior. He got hurt his senior year. They really love running the ball, so his numbers aren't huge. But he's supposedly going to be the guy that goes to to the Eagles, who will now have projectedly three quarterbacks. What are your thoughts now on that quarterback situation in Philadelphia? Well, it's, it's first off, they have to get rid of Sam Bradford. You can't keep a guy like that around. Uh, and I'm not sure that they're going to find much of a trade market for him. But if they can get anything, even like a sixth round pick, they have to do it. Uh, they have to commit to Carson Wentz. Hopefully, they have a you know a backup plan in, play, in place in case he's not ready to start this year. Uh, but but Bradford won't be that guy. Uh, he just he doesn't want to do it, and I, it, it's not hard to blame him for that. Uh, after he just signed the extension, then they go out and say, "Well, we don't really want you for the long term." Right. So that that that's a real shot. They they did not handle this properly at all. Um, you brought up some great things about Wentz about why he's sort of unheard of and why he's such a huge risk as well. He threw about 600 passes in college at the FCS level. This is a guy who exploded on hype more than actual substance at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and I was there, and I saw it, and I, I, I was taking vines. I took a vine of his first rep when I was down there, uh, and it got, I think, 1.2 million re- re-hits because, wow. you know, everybody just wanted to see this guy. Just for yeah, six the, seconds. Yeah, the, the hype train was, <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable, the, the interest in him. Uh, and he, he has a great arm. He really does, and he when he steps into his throws, he's very accurate. Uh, he, he sees the field well. He's a good athlete. Um, but man, there's a whole lot of things that he has to work on. When he stands in the pocket, his feet are stone. Uh, he doesn't readjust his feet very well, which is probably the thing that Goff does better than anybody is, is you know move his feet around and stay on, up and on his toes and able to move in any direction. You don't see that at all with Carson Wentz, which is odd because he is a good athlete. So it's a huge leap of faith that the Philadelphia Eagles have taken here. Now they've got a new coaching staff in, uh, and they hope that the, the coaching staff with, with Doug Peterson, who's a quarterback guy, a former quarterback himself, can mold him into a winning quarterback. We'll, we'll see. It's a grand experiment. Uh, I think expectations have to be low initially for Philadelphia, but uh, if it hits, man, they're going to look they're going to look really smart. But if it doesn't, it's they're going to be. This will be remembered as one of the most colossal flops of all time. I mean, they would be the first to crown and give him the key to the city if he does things well, but they'll also burn the stadium to the ground if this doesn't work. So I hope they know what they're getting into with Philadelphia fans. We know that they usually don't have patience when it comes to those sort of thing, and they might have to. Hey, you know what? I hadn't even factored that in, but you're absolutely right. 
that is not an easy place to not be good right away. You can ask about something about that. Well, yes, and supposedly the local radio stations are already calling to get Sam Bradford out of there if he doesn't want to be their quarterback and he's causing a fuss. They're just they're just sick of it. So it's a situation that, I mean, you'd probably be happy to be the number one draft pick because you could go to L.A. There's not as much pressure, though. You're starting with a new team, but they might give you a year, the stadium, the bright lights. Everybody will just be happy to have football back in L.A. But in Philly, if you don't step up, even if they don't play him and he's on the bench and Bradford doesn't do well, they're going to be calling for their heads. It's just not good. I'm more interested with the Cowboys because there's a lot of pressure on them to see where they want to go as far as that decision is concerned. Last year, their defense forced just 11 turnovers, which if Sal Palantonio was correct today, which he always is, that's the lowest in NFL history as far as turnovers are concerned. So they have a need on their defensive line. They have a need at the cornerback position. But some people are saying that they might be looking at Ezekiel Elliott, the running back out of Ohio State. Do you have any gauge on where they might be headed? Uh, if the board plays out the way that, that I've said it, where DeForest Buckner is the third pick, they're going to take Jalen Ramsey at four uh, and pair him with Byron Jones from last year to have a dynamic, versatile secondary uh, because that will help them out a lot. Uh there's a lot of people who think that they're interested in Joey Bussa. The people that I've talked to that are that follow the team regularly, they don't seem to think that that's much of a possibility. So I'm, I've kind of backed off on that, and I think it's going to be Ramsey. Uh, unless Jerry Jones pulls rank, and he's he's Jerry Jones. He's allowed to do what the heck he wants to do. Uh, he, he's made no secret that he you know he loves Ezekiel Elliott uh, as he should. He's he's the best offensive skill position talent in this in this draft by a huge margin. So uh, that that would that wouldn't upset me if I were a Cowboys fan either. Though I know uh, the the value of running back position it gets debated, you know, time and again. Uh, my thought is that if you can get a guy like that that can stay on the field uh, the entire game and impact it both in the running and the passing game, you, you don't worry that other teams don't use their running backs that way. You, you go and, and take it and and roll with what you got. But uh, I, I think it's going to be Jalen Ramsey, to be honest with you. So teams left from 5 through 10, Jaguars, Ravens, 49ers, Browns from their trade, the Bucks and the Giants. Do you see any team potentially trading to get into the top 10 or even teams in the top 10 moving up spots? Do you think there's going to be any moving around that you're confident with? I'll tell you this. I, I don't know who's going to trade with them, but I would be shocked if the Cleveland Browns picked at number eight. I think they're looking to move back. Uh, there's talk that Miami from 13 is looking to move up for Zeke Elliott. Uh, I know the Jets are openly coveting getting up high uh, to get Paxton Lynch, perhaps. Uh, they're picking at 20. That, that's a pretty big leap, but they do have Muhammad Wilkerson to dangle out there to help sweeten the pot. So those are teams to look at. Uh, in, it, that, that range, that 8 to 10 range, you know, where the, the Giants are sitting there, too, uh, I'm sure they wouldn't mind trading back a little bit and getting a few more things because they have a lot more needs than they have picks. Right. Uh, and and that, that you know that's sort of the range where you know the, the defensive tackles are going to start coming off the board. Uh, you could see a wide receiver or a cornerback in that range. Uh, and, and Tampa Bay also, uh, they're a team. They they're pretty. Most people have them plugged in on Vernon Hargreaves, the cornerback out of Florida. He's a local kid. They certainly need a cornerback there, uh, but. They're probably in a state where if they could trade back three or four spots, they could still get him. So I think they'll actively look to move out, too. 
Now, the unfortunate part right now for me being a Denver Broncos fan and wanting to ask you who they might pick last in the first round should they stay there is we know that they don't currently have a quarterback that they might want to throw out there every Sunday. Even though they had the lowest postseason yards per carry average, yards in general average, I think ever in NFL history for a team to win the Super Bowl. So the quarterback position is really just whoever's available. I guess they could throw out their hell throw out their third string quarterback and Mr. Simeon, see what he can do. But do you have any idea of where they might be headed? I have a feeling that it wouldn't surprise me if Mr. Elway decides he wants to move around the board, maybe trade to move up or trade to move back. Any gauge on what Denver might be up to at the end? Well, I don't have any insider information, but it sure makes sense for them to get a quarterback. And if Connor Cook from Michigan State is there, uh, I've said all year he is the most NFL-ready quarterback in this draft. He doesn't have the highest ceiling, uh, and he's going to have some games where where you're wondering, you know, why are we doing it with this guy? Because he's very inconsistent. But when he's on, uh, he can be very good, and he can lead a, a team full of weapons, and they still do have a lot of weapons there. Uh, he's, he was a proven winner, and that does mean something to NFL teams. I know people bristle against the whole quarterback wins thing. Well, Winning is better than losing, right. uh, and Connor Cook has proven that he's a pretty darn good winner. Uh, and and he comes from a pro-style offense that's very similar to what Gary Kubiak runs. So I would be, I would put my money there if I had to. Uh, but if they move around, they have some other needs too. You know, they lost some people on the defense. Right. Uh, they got to replace those guys too. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to do that uh, if the value is there, and if they just don't see like a quarterback is there, and they want to roll with with. Got Mark Sanchez or Trevor Simeon, which uh, seems just wild to me. Dear but Lord, help us. I don't know. <laughs> now, <laughs> a couple more things to be a little bit more open-ended with some of the things you know from the list you've been putting together. One of your probably more favorite questions to be asked, do you see a couple sleeper picks that you have that when they go wherever they do, whether they fall, whether they're a little high, who are a couple names that you've come across that – you might see them really making a name for themselves in the National Football League coming up. Yeah, I, I love the third day of the draft. That's my favorite day of the year because uh, I tend to spend a lot more time on the guys who are drafted in rounds like three through seven that, than most other people do. So so seeing guys, um, a guy like Kayvon Frazier, a safety out of Central Michigan, uh, is a guy that I've watched quite a bit. He, he's very athletic. He's a guy that's probably going to go in the sixth round it would surprise me if he's starting by the end of his rookie year. Uh, Danzel McDaniel, a cornerback out of Kansas State, is the guy that I wrote a profile on on, on uh, Draft Breakdown recently. He, he was really highly regarded last summer. Uh, didn't have a great season. Only played three or four games, then tore up his knee, and, and has fallen completely off the radar. Uh, I've been communicating with him. He's back. He's, he looks pretty darn good in his workouts. Uh, this is a guy who was in most people's top 75 at the beginning of the year. Now you're going to have a hard time finding him in any seven-round mock draft. Uh, a team, if they can get him and get him into the right spot, he's also able to play safety. There's a guy who, who could be a real steal. Uh, there, there's quite a few defensive backs this year that are like that. Uh, Kalen Reed out of Southern Mississippi is like that. You know, it, It's a fun class this year because I think there's a lot of guys – that are in those later rounds who are going to surprise a lot of people once they get a chance to play. Uh, and, and and they're going to do better than a lot of guys that are drafted way ahead of them. Another guy that I really like uh, a little higher up in the draft, uh, Notre Dame running back C.J. Procise, 
is a guy who I think has a very high ceiling. He only played running back for one year as a wide receiver, uh, showed a whole lot of just instinctive ability as a running back, didn't lose his receiver skills either. I, I think he's going to be a very good running back in the NFL, and he's probably going to go in the second, the third round somewhere in there. So if you were a real GM, pun intended, of course, considering that's one of the, <laughs> uh, one of the people you analyze for, of course, if you're looking at a board, whether it's the first round, whether it's the last round, do you think it's better to draft for what you need or draft on whatever is best available? Or does that vary throughout round by round? I, I think it defend, depends on, on where you're at as a team, too. If you only have a few specific needs, like, like Denver, for example, they're coming off of a Super Bowl win, and yeah, they lost some people, but they're pretty well established at some positions. So if the best player available is a wide receiver, probably not going to take it there. Um, you know, if it's defensive end, you're probably not going to look there. I mean, you still got Derek Wolf going, you know, so those are the type of things, uh, for Detroit, my lions is an example. We don't need a quarterback. We haven't drafted one since Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So if the best player available is a quarterback, you're probably going to pass and look somewhere else. Um, now if you're a needy team, you know, you get into those second and third rounds, and you just got to take the best talent that you think can make an impact on your football team and make your team better. Uh, even if it's positionally redundant, you know, say you already have two starting tackles on your team, uh, but the best player available on your board by, you know, a couple of notches is another tackle. You got to take the tackle and, and figure it out later, you know, see how it all sorts out. Uh, you know, depth is such a chronic issue in the NFL. Uh, and the contract length seems to be going down, and, and players might be retiring a little bit early. All these things have to factor in. Uh, I, I think you're going to see a lot more teams do things that make, make their fans be like, well, we already have a guy there. Well, yeah, well, he might not be there after next year. Right. Uh, and the, the good teams have that sort of long vision. Uh, so, so while you're watching this weekend, don't necessarily get wrapped up in, in what your team looks like today. Because a lot of times the teams are drafting for, you know, two or three years down the line when the guy at that position who's really good now is a free agent and might not be back or he's entering, you know, the, the time where his, his skills are going to start to decline. The teams absolutely map that out ahead of time, and that's a, that's a big factor in the draft board. So I wanted to leave you with this, pretending that we're like a news organization at the 11 o'clock news. They always love leaving with a happy story. So we know of all the players' statistics. We know where they went to school. We know how good they are on the field. I want to know if there's a guy that sticks out to you that has the best non-football story in the draft that we might see one of the E60s or even after they're drafted, one of the analysts might say, hey, this guy comes from a really interesting background and it's great to see him get drafted tonight. I think everybody is rooting for Keenan Robinson uh, out of Navy, the quarterback uh, who, who probably should have been in the Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, there's a guy who everybody has really liked. Uh, he's not probably going to be a, a good NFL player. I'm not even sure he's going to make it. He's small and he's slow. and That's a bad combination when you're a running back. Uh, but, but everybody seems to think he's going to get a shot, uh, and I hope he makes the most of it because uh, I get to talk to him a little bit down at the Shrine game. There's a guy that everybody is going to root for. He, he is a true patriot. Uh, he's got an interesting backstory. He's a bright guy. Uh, there's a lot of players that if, if the public got to know them, would, would definitely you know shoot on this whole, oh, they're, they're mercenary meatheads. They're not like that. Most guys are, are pretty grounded and normal guys who just happen to play football for a living uh, and are a lot bigger and stronger than the rest of us. But, uh, yeah, there's some neat guys. Um, 
uh, ProSites is a good example. There's a guy who's come from from a, a disadvantaged area in, in Virginia, has worked very hard. He, he's one of the first in his family to, to achieve what he's achieved. So, so there's there's a lot of good stories like that. Uh, there's a there's a, a linebacker from Illinois, and his name escapes me right now. Uh, he, if he doesn't make it in the NFL, he's going to dental school. And there's wow. a lot of guys who are like that. Yeah, it, it's fascinating that you know that some of these guys have such you know lucrative careers on the outside. Uh, and it's fun to follow up with those guys in a couple of years if they don't choose to go in the NFL and they to see if they miss it at all or anything like that. So I encourage people to, to follow those kind of guys when you hear about it in the local papers or whatever. You know, keep track of those guys and, and see if they ever say anything about you know missing the game or, or what happened because uh, th- there's a lot of a lot of really bright guys in the football games and they tend to get overshadowed by the knuckleheads. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you educating us, giving some insight. I want you to drink a lot of water, get some sleep because you're going to be in for a long haul <laughs> the next couple of days. Get the energy drinks, and I hope that things work out well so we have a lot more to talk about in the future. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. That was Jeff Risden, senior NFL writer and draft analyst at RealGM.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Risden. That's J-E-F-F-R-I-S-D-O-N. And if you follow him before the draft, I'm sure he's going to have some great insight throughout Thursday night and Friday and Saturday to just paint a little bit of a better picture on some of the players that end up going in this year's NFL draft. Great spot with him, and it was nice to be able to learn something. That's going to do it for The Bridge. You can listen to this episode and all episodes over at my website at www.londonbridge.com. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. You can also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. For all you iTunes users or iPhone users, please subscribe to The Bridge by searching for The Bridge or searching for John Lund. If you're an Android user, you can also find my podcast over on the Stitcher app. On the next show, we're going to recap the draft, take a look at what some teams were able to do or what some teams were unable to do. If some players fell too far, if some players were taken too high, we'll take a look into the future of the 2016-2017 NFL season and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve. On the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Sports.